Shark Buggy. Shark Buggy. Shark Buggy. Hello, and welcome to Shark Buggy where my good friend Howard and I like to delve into the pages of old recipe books and then see where we end up. We're up to episode number 39, which also happens to be the percentages of world raspberries in 1991 that came from the USSR, inches height of the hurdles in the men's 110 metres event, and the number of handkerchiefs used to mop the brow of George IV during his coronation in 1821. Thank you as always for getting in touch either via our Facebook and Instagram pages and also our email podcast at theshatbaggerly.co.uk. Barry in New York did just that and sent us a few pictures too. We'll hear more in a bit. But first, tonight sees Howard chatting to a group of ladies from the Women's Institute, the WI, in Shropshire. He told me he's heading there on the train and will be picked up by the lady who is putting him up for the night. Yeah, she asked me if I needed a photo of Glennis, this woman that's collecting me, in case I, I go off with the wrong woman. Not, not again. <laughs> no, she must know me well. <laughs> now, before we do anything, I had a lovely email. You ready? Yes. Hi, Katie and Howard. Have either of you ever come across Elizabeth Craig's Economical Cookery? It dates to 1934 and has an amusing introduction. Odd headings such as how to make the most of old fowl and recipes for everything <laughs> from calf's brain cakes to savoury balls for pies. And then Barry says, I collect vintage books and found this one about a decade ago in a shop called Bonnie Slotnick Cookbooks, another good reason to come to New York. She said, I never actually knew who Elizabeth Craig was until I listened to your podcast. So yes, Elizabeth Craig's Economical Cookery. Have you heard of it? I haven't heard of it. I'm, I'm just having a look. Now, in my copy of Woman, Wine and a Saucepan, it's, it's got a list at the front by the same author, Family Cookery Cooking with Elizabeth Craig, Entertaining with Elizabeth Craig and Economical Cookery. Yeah, ah. so it's, it's listed in there. Well, mentioned in the introduction, so this is it. It's, it. it's headed, just a minute, please. And then, I think this is what Barry's referring to, to me, the best cook is the one who can prepare and serve well-balanced meals out of inexpensive ingredients. Unfortunately, this kind of cook is rare in Britain, where being economical is wrongly regarded as a polite interpretation of being stingy. For some years now, I've been doing my best to show you that simple food can be appetising and that attractive dishes can be prepared from not only cheap ingredients, but from many ingredients that the average housewife rather poo-poos. I hope this little book will carry on the good work. It's about time we prove not only to each other, but to the visitor, that the British housewife can be as clever a manager as her neighbour across the channel. Don't think me mean. She has some way to go. Mm. Do you know, I've, 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 I've read that in a number of books, this idea that, that French, French cooks much more economical with ingredients than mm. British ones. So, yeah, I think it was a common... Uh, idea at the time. I love when it says how to make the most of old fowls. So <laughs> I feel that's you and me. <laughs> that's, that's why we do a podcast. We're making the most of ourselves. Aren't we? <laughs> now you said when we chatted last week, just before we recorded the podcast, your Peter had found somebody to talk about. Who was that then? Oh, I know. So he's reading this book at the moment called The Glamour Boys. 
and it's about a group of mainly MPs, I think, who were involved in uh, the Second World War and the majority of them, as far as I know, were gay MPs, so not out at the time. But they, they played a really important part in the kind of lead up to uh, the Second World War. And uh, he found this bit in there. It says the West End was scattered with venues that promoted such ambivalence, if you could afford it. So this is clubs and restaurants that would, if not welcome uh, gay couples, at least kind of uh, turn a blind eye to it. But it says the smartest of all was Boulistan, the creator, the creation rather, of the French writer, interior designer and restaurateur Marcel Boulistan. Uh, it was written to be the most expensive eatery in London, yet Marcel only managed to keep it afloat by writing books about French cookery. Uh-huh. So he was, um, so he, w- he was a gay guy uh, himself, and he'd got this um, this restaurant, and sort of then turned his hand to writing books. So I thought, oh, I'll get a couple of those. So I've got simple French cooking for English homes, mm-hmm. and. Um, 120 ways of cooking eggs, which is (laughs) fascinating. But the interesting thing about this one is by the time he produced 120 ways of cooking eggs, he was co-writing with this guy, A.H. Adair, um, who was basically his partner. But um, when you see kind of period photos of them, Marcel Boulestin was was French. And uh, I think A.H. Adair was known as Robin, actually. Robin Adair was, was British. He's quite often referred to as the translator. Ah. Not even like a special friend or a companion or something. Yeah. Oh, right. His, uh. his first name was Javier. Javier Marcel Boulestin. Yes. Here. 120 ways with eggs then. I, there must be something in there that maybe you and I haven't heard of. I mean, it seems an awful lot of things to do with eggs that trying to think do you know when you look at it it's got everything from kind of how to scramble eggs and and uh, omelets and things like that to sauces you know like creme patissier custard things like that so it's um, it's really interesting but what apparently prompted 120 ways of cooking eggs it says in the prelude here a great deal has been written in the papers about madame poulard who died last year and her famous omelettes. So this was a woman, a French woman who was apparently famous for her quite wet omelettes. But yeah, when when she died, apparently it kind of left a gap in the market. And so um, Marcel Boulderstein thought, I'll fill this. (laughs) I'll write a book on 120 ways of cooking eggs. Right, okay. It said that they were going to, at one point, have Madame Poulard was going to have a, a statue in in France, but I don't think don't think that ever uh, came to fruition. With a frying pan doing a wet omelette. Yeah, I wondered that what it would be. Would mm. she be brandishing a, a, a frying pan? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that... Could be a fountain, couldn't it? There's sort of wetness could be yeah. <laughs> literally coming out of the pan. <laughs> I suppose they have to be careful because obviously birds like dropping things on statues, don't they? So if she's got an open oh, yeah. pan, it might just be full of. Yeah. It it might not look exactly like a wet omelette by the no, time it's finished. No. <laughs> oh. oh, I've been to the vets again, H. Have you? Yeah, oh. poor old Harve. He's got to have an operation. 
and recently had conjunctivitis and he's had all sorts of things and I found myself saying to the vet, it is honest truth, I've been thinking, I said, if Harvey was a human, he'd have probably been removed by now for the social services or at least we'd have been investigated <laughs> for Munchausen's by proxy, wouldn't they? Because the amount of things he has wrong with him, bless him. Yes. And what did the vet say then? Did he say yes, you're right? Or well, she say? Well, no. I mean, without giving too much away, apparently it's a thing. I hadn't appreciated it. I mean, I was sort of thought I was being a bit witty. But no, apparently people do do that. Isn't that sad? Mm. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. I know. Anyway. So, um, oh. yeah, so he's got to have... So I'll be sleeping on the settee for a couple of nights next week. The vet is not convinced that this is another excuse as well. You're actually doing it in order to have a bit. No, I see. <laughs> Me time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got to sleep on the settee again. Oh, no. Sorry, Glenn. No, no. So what have you been up to? Have you found any more of that um, words, those numbers on your ceiling? No, but I, it's very, very interesting. You know, you, when you said, have you found anything? Yes. And then when I took the wallpaper off what we would call the feature wall, um, underneath, <laughs> 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 it says Howard and, Howard and Peter 1986. Right. Oh. So Peter had, had must have painted on there. We didn't actually move in until 1987, so that's a bit strange. But... <laughs> I think he was meaning the the year that we actually got together. So he he put Howard and Pete nineteen eighty six, and then we've um, papered over it over the years. So yeah. So how many? It was, it was surprising to see that. So you haven't scratched it back since nineteen eight. Well, when it first came on in nineteen eighty six. Well, either that or you haven't decorated. Every time I've decorated, <laughs> uh, and we've taken the and I've said, oh look. It says Howard and Peter, 1986, and then we paper over it, and then I forget that that's what it says underneath. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we're all foul. <laughs> it's a surprise every, every time we decorate. <laughs> Being continuing to decorate, I put some wallpaper on this morning. But I also thought, we've, we've ordered this very, very lovely... Uh, wallpaper um, for the feature wall um, which still hasn't been dispatched yet which I'm a little bit annoyed about and I thought I, I, what I would like, I'll show, I'll show you there's a sample of it here, okay. not that anybody else can see it but that's uh, oh my lord it's, well, it's quite let bold, me take a picture it? let me take a picture <laughs> I don't need to be poking around the side do I there really? You go. Right, got a picture <laughs> So I thought it's it's got a, a, a kind of 1950s, 60s vibe to it. And I thought, do you know, when um, when we've actually finished, I would like some new cushion covers that sort of pick up that vibe. And uh, my sister came up to Sheffield recently and she's taken up crocheting. Oh. So I thought, oh, I might have a go at that. I could do a, such a crocheted cushion. <laughs> So I bought this book. You will be able to crochet by the end of this book. Right. It's called... How far, yes. how far in the book are you? Well, it's a lie, isn't it? Because for a start, you can't crochet unless you've actually got a crochet hook and some yarn. So it's not, I'm, not, I'm not able to crochet just by reading the book. I've actually got to get some equipment. Oh. So I've ordered some equipment. 
God. And you've, but <laughs> you've never crocheted before, not even I've never crocheted before. I have oh. knitted a bit before, right. but I just thought, oh, I'd... and it says, uh, if you're a complete beginner, start <laughs> with the, you, you've got to do some little test pieces to get the hang of it. And then your first project should be a pair of ear warmers. It's like, I don't really want any ear warmers. That is, it's like a, like a headband. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So start with the ear warmer. And it's like, I don't really want to. I want a cushion. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do some test pieces. And then, uh, and then I shall develop into a cushion. Uh. I shall develop into a cushion. <laughs> I love this review on Amazon of it. This is what tempted me to buy it in the first place. So a lady called Yvonne Woodruff has, has left a review, mm. giving it five stars. She says, love this. I've always wanted to croquet. Now I can, thanks to this book. So I'm thinking, <laughs> Yvonne, I think there's this typo in there. <laughs> Oh, I did. I did crochet years and years ago. Be interesting to see how far you get, darling. Whether you even get to the ear warmers. Mm, yeah. I don't tell Peter. I spent about sixty quid on on wool yesterday. No. So. How were you supposed to see if you enjoy it before you do that? What did you say about those glasses? You were going to spend twelve months and oh, not buying do you anything. Know, I, I I know, and I've done exactly the same thing with my mug. I've got a lovely mug here buy a, a local potter called Sheridan McInnes and I noticed last week it's got two hairline cracks appearing down oh, it no. so yes I've had it a, a few years now but I thought I'm gonna have to get a new mug sadly she's not got any in stock at the moment so that led me to do then a search mm -hmm. I was tempted by a mug that that was on Bake Off but I realized that they're 37 pounds each Yes, a bit nice, but expensive. So then I went online and I, I found one that I liked in Brighton, uh, a potter in Brighton. So mm -hmm. I ordered this and uh, thought, that's that's lovely. Got it and I thought, it looks a little bit like a soup dish <laughs> and it's not quite the colour that I would like. So I, I contacted her and said, really sorry, is it possible to return this? So she was lovely about it. So I told me how to pack it back up. And then I, I went online again looking for, do you know, I could, why can't I just? I don't know. Kind of pop to, pop to a shop and just buy a mug instead of like turning it into an ordeal mm. like I, I always do. Anyway, now I found one that I like in Cork. So that's coming from Ireland. Oh, oh <laughs> hang on. I was thinking to myself, it's made from Cork. And then I no, realised no. you meant the place. The, the place court. <laughs> <laughs> or a court uh, mug wouldn't be very uh, useful. Well, it won't, but, it won't break if you drop it. No, no. And uh, by the time I've, I've paid postage and that, it's only £37. So it's <laughs> Famous oh, people who crochet. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Bette Davis. Did she? Mm -hmm. Sure. Really? <laughs> Meryl Streep, Audrey Hepburn. Wow. And is it Kamala Harris? Is she the vice president? Oh, yeah. Is, is it yeah. Harris? Well, there's a Kamala, so I can only think it is that one. But, yeah. Oh, famous male crocheters. Crocheters. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to do any of them. 
<laughs> Jane Seymour, did I say that one? But she's not male, is she? You, I thought you I thought you'd moved oh, no. on to the male <laughs> <laughs> Drew M. Borsky, he's called AKA the Crochet Dude. He was taught to crochet oh. at the age of five by his mum while snowboard snowbound in Lake Tahoe. You could crochet on a snowboard. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, you see, male celebrities who knit, but that's not the same as crocheting, is it? No, because uh, we know Tom Daly's a, 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 an avid knitter, but I don't know whether he crochets. As is Ryan Gosling. Really? Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... You see, I can imagine if you've got, uh, if you're in some kind of uh, field like, entertainment or sport what have you you do have a bit of downtime don't you between scenes or between events and um, being able to do something like knitting or crocheting is is quite nice yeah now hang on tom daly caught the crochet bug so he's moved Did on he? to knitting oh mm. well good luck will you let me see the um <laughs> Let me see the ear warmers. You said that with such enthusiasm. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yes, I will. Okay. I, I, I will definitely. What worries me slightly is that obviously I've ordered all this yarn <laughs> online. You can never be a hundred percent sure whether you've got the right colours or not because. Uh, so it, I'm hoping it matches my bit of wallpaper. <laughs> but, <laughs> if not, you'll have to do a feature wall see. out of crochet, won't you? You have to do the just. <laughs> Knit all lots of ear warmers all together. No, do, do you know this is it? Because it says 100 grams of wool will do you an ear warmer. But that's no good if you want wanting to do a cushion, is it? No. So I just thought, oh, about seven or eight times that, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Should be about right. Oh, spoiler alert, because you mentioned the Great British Bake Off. It was the final, wasn't it? It's been announced. Do you, oh, yes. Do you remember what I said ages and ages ago? Yes, I think you were right, weren't you? Well, but the trouble is that this will go out on Friday before the final is broadcast on Saturday. So in in America, what oh. I'm talking about. Oh, is it? Yes, yes. So we perhaps had better not talk about it. <laughs> well, no, we'll just say, spoiler alert, so would that, yes. But that's no good if they're halfway through, is it? <laughs> then you some... <laughs> spread oh, with it, or oh, we'll have to turn off uh, now. Okay. No, you were right. You were right about the winner. Yeah. Who shall remain nameless? Yes, lovely girl, though, <laughs> isn't she? Lovely girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. Getting in touch on our Facebook page, Shatbaggerly. Hi to Jill Wilson Skelton. And uh, Jill got in touch and said, How and Katie, I believe the time has come for a Shaq Baggerly t-shirt to be made. Yes. And then she says on the front, I think the picture for the announcement of the return of episode 13 you posted on Instagram would be perfect. Um, I look forward to many more episodes and a lot more laughs. Isn't that lovely? So, oh, that's lovely. So t-shirts, hmm, I'm always a bit wary of t-shirts having a chest. They do. Don't they? That's the problem. <laughs> You don't want a chestless T-shirt. Well, no, but yours will be a chest. Oh, I see. Yes, I see. Yeah, but when you've got a chest, you can't always read what it's supposed to say. Oh, no, if it's, yeah, that's mm. true. Yeah, I think tea towels are safer, aren't they? <laughs> yes. <you can. laughs> but thank you for the suggestion. 
Really good idea. Yeah. And, and please, please, I, I'm hoping now this doesn't spark off kind of request for Shag, Shag Bagley crochet work. Because I'm not sure I can cope with that. <laughs> uh, are you bidding on any books at the moment? No, not at the moment. All right, there's somebody's right. on this one, but I really like the look of it. It's called Grand Bazaar in the Conservative Hall, York Street, Haywood, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, March 11th, 12th, 13th, 1937. And it's a book of reliable recipes. A souvenir of the refreshment store. So this is as you open the page. So it gives you the president, secretary, all that, the committee. And then it says, miscellaneous. My recipe for happiness is thankfulness, appreciation, gratitude, charitableness... All of those parts equal and imbibe daily. Isn't that lovely? It is lovely, but if you've bought that as a recipe book and actually what it includes is just kind words and sort of poetic thoughts, you're going to go a bit hungry, aren't you? You miserable devil. It's got, it's got <laughs> stuff in. It's got stuff in. All um, right. <laughs> yeah, it's got food. Although, having said that, I meant from... Um, Soul a la King Edward, American steak, savoury stew to liquid polish. And I thought, well, you don't want to be eating that. And sure enough, it's, it's a recipe for <laughs> liquid polish. So um, an M.H. Haywood who submitted it says shake before using. So there we are. I presume she means the polish as opposed to he. We don't know, do we? Then a Doris E. Isherwood of Presbury. Now, Presbury's in Lancashire, I think. Is it Presbury? Presbury. I don't know. I Preston is, isn't it? But I don't know where oh. Presbury is. Or is it Wait Manchester? Wait a minute. Just one moment. One moment, caller. Oh, Cheshire. Oh. Uh, it's a village in the civil parish in Cheshire, about one and a half miles north of Mattlesfield. Ah. Oh, it's quite po Alongside fellow Cheshire Golden Triangle villages, Wilmslow and Alderley Edge, it's one of the more sought-after places in the north. Mm. Yeah, it's quite quite posh. If you go to charity shops in those places, you will get the most amazing things. That reminds me, when I was at uni uh, in Manchester, we used to go to uh, like the conservative jumble sales because you get a, a better quality jumble. Not that we were particularly political or, uh, you know, had an affiliation to, to the conservatives, but... A conservative jumble sale. They do tend to have uh, oh. some good quality stuff, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> right then, back to Doris. So she is put into her recipe something called Live Long. Six new laid eggs placed in bowl just large enough for them to cover the bottom. Over them, squeeze the juice of six lemons. Turn every day for five or six days until shells are dissolved. Beat up and strain. Put half a pound of lump sugar into a small pan and cover with bare gill of water. Add one D of Isling glass, glass, icing glass, that one you said. Oh yes, we've had that before, yeah. but yeah. Let simmer till dissolved, then cool off, add the eggs, etc. with a pint of rum and shake up before taking. Dose a wine glass full in the morning. What on earth is that? That's... Bizarre. So rather than cracking the eggs, she's had them sitting around in lemon juice until the eggshells dissolve. Mm. I didn't even know they would do that. I've never dissolved an eggshell. Not lived, have we? Well, no, and we haven't lived long because this is, says live long. No. So Doris E. Yeah. Isherwood's probably still with us and this was created in 1937. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a strange one. I thought you must have heard it knowing you know everything, you. 
And what's a oh, is it a bit like a sort of advocate type thing? It's sort of like an egg oh, tonic. I don't know. But then would you have a pint of rum in it? I don't know. Um, and what's a bear gill of water? I've heard of that chap off the telly, Bear Grill. Bear, bear Grills. <laughs> I think, does it mean, is it spelled B-A-R-E? Mm. Yes. So it just means like a scant. Like when you say a scant teaspoon, a bear gill. I think is is oh. just a bit less than a gill, right. uh, I would imagine. Okay. But, uh, and the icing glass was what you said before? We've used this for preserving eggs or something in the past, I'm sure. Not personally, but I'm sure we've come across in one, one of our discussions previously. Uh, icing glass is something to do with fish or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's... It's the substance obtained from the dried swim bladders of fish. It's a form of collagen used mainly for the clarification or fining of beer and wine. It can also be cooked into a paste for specialised gluing purposes. Oh, and it shows you a swim bladder of a rud. It basically looks like a condom. But <laughs> if you look up icing glass on... On Wikipedia, you'll see the, uh, mm. the illustration you saw. Let's cross to our health correspondent, Howard Middleton, then. And, it, and what's <laughs> it look like, Howard? <laughs> I'll definitely put Howard's feature wallpaper on our social media pages and also the recipe for long life, but maybe not that one, eh? The book Peter is reading is called The Glamour Boys, the secret story of the rebels who fought for Britain to defeat Hitler. It's by Chris Bryant and published by Bloomsbury. Howard also mentioned Madame Poulard and her omelettes. And yes, indeed, her creation, Omelette de la Mer Poulard, became a speciality of the region. It was created when she and her husband ran an inn, and many of their customers were hungry travellers arriving by ferry wanting something served quickly. So that's it for another week. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. Oh, hang on, phone's ringing. It's, it's Howard. Oh, hi, H. Yeah, mm, where are you? You went off with the wrong woman, didn't you?